on the count of three. Wait, wait, mm-hmm. wait. No, sorry. I have to bring up the I have to double check if I'm good. Uh, <laughs> seriously, it happens a lot more often than you may think. And I am going to digress a lot. No, do your thing. Right. I am double checking if I'm good. Uh, okay. Right. Okay. No. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good to go. Uh, yeah. All right. So on the count of three. One, two, and three. Wow, that was actually a lot less louder than I was expecting. The one I did for Stephen Downey the other day at Outsiders was actually a lot louder. <laughs> three, one, two, three. Fuck. <laughs> 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 Ethel Friel, what is your favorite game? My favorite game is Mass Effect 3. brother got a PlayStation 1 when I was around 10 um, and so I started playing some some games on that you know just like uh, Pandemonium I don't know if you remember that but um, um, Crash Bandicoot obviously um, I, I also played the Spice Girls game <laughs> no, that I do um, remember <laughs> yeah but I think the, the the game that had the biggest impact on me was um, the first Tomb Raider came out and you know I mean it was so cool. I was too scared to play some of it, and but you know she was awesome, and and it kicked ass, and it was amazing. Um, and then I kind of like fell out of games again for like the PS2 era, um, until I saw that like, and this is like way way later. I saw Tomb Raider Legends was coming out. It looked so cool, and I had like I had this little um, laptop that somehow managed to play it, and. Uh, I loved it. I loved it. So um, I ended up getting a PlayStation 3, I think, either later that year or the, or the next year. And then, of course, 
the Tomb Raider reboot came out, making us a lot about Tomb Raider, but I think Tomb Raider really got me into gaming. And um, yeah, after that, it was just, it was everything. It was like Uncharted games, Hitman, uh, Metal Gear Solid. You know, I just, I started playing loads and have been ever since. I think the through line we're getting here is that you have a big old adventure game kick between Uncharted <laughs> and Tomb Raider anyway. Yeah, definitely. For me, it's a tie, I think, between stealth games and action adventure. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm definitely curious about that, but we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> Tomb Raider Legends as well. That was 2005, six, wasn't it? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I was in uni at the time. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, Jesus! Yeah. I, I I can't even dread to imagine. No, that was 15, 16 years ago. Jesus! I know, but I was thinking about that game again the other day. I want, like, I was thinking, is there any way I can play it again? Because I remember it being amazing. It probably wasn't amazing. Now I just remember at the time it was. But yeah, I have no way of playing it anymore. I have no more PlayStation Three. I have nothing else I can play it on. It's over. <laughs> <laughs> The, the, the future Halicon days are over. Um, yep. <laughs> I was going to say as well, would you not be able to play it on an Xbox as well? Like play it on an Xbox One or something? Probably if I don't have access to an Xbox. I, I don't want to get an Xbox. I'm, I'm not like, I don't have an Xbox versus PlayStation issue. Yeah. I just, I've always played PlayStation. Actually, I know I've played friends Xboxes and they're great. But I just, I've always had PlayStation games. So I kind of just stuck with that. <laughs> I think another thing that is developing here is that there's a lack of Nintendo here. That's true. Yeah, yeah. I never, I never. Um, what was the first Nintendo console that came out? The NES. The N- yeah, Nintendo yeah, system. yeah. I was never like, I was never exposed to any of that when I was young, so I kind of just never. It passed me by. <laughs> oh dear. I yeah. Because like. At least, they, at least with somehow, if you have a preference for, for one, at least you could fill in some sort of gaps with an Xbox or Nintendo console or whatever, or a Sega system at the time. The fact yeah. that, you, that you never sort of touched Nintendo at the time, it's just like, okay. <laughs> I know it's true. But actually, I did play, um, a few years after it came out, I did play Breath of the Wild. I borrowed a friend's Switch just so I could play it. Ah. And that was well worth it. That almost made me buy a Switch. <laughs> Yeah, I, I haven't though. I haven't yet, but that was so awesome. That game was amazing. <laughs> the fact that it made you almost buy a Switch, but didn't make you just push you over the line, just sort of, okay, I think I really need to get a Switch. Just like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I will for the sequel, but there wasn't anything else on, on it that I couldn't play elsewhere. So I was like, maybe I won't get one. But <laughs> yeah, I loved that game. <laughs> oh, it's such a good game, Breath of the Wild. Definitely. Um, so... Talk to me about, um, you know, getting into sort of Tomb Raider then at the time, because like um, there's besides the sort of difference between what Core was making at the time and then um, what Crystal Dynamics was starting off with at the time. Um, they're, they're very different games anyway, but like especially when you're starting to play them, like I think about oh, I played around the PlayStation one times like um, like cut. Basically, talk to me about how you find those games, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think I was 10 when the first one came out, and I was just like, this is cool, you know? She's got two guns, she runs through caves, <laughs> she finds health packs in really convenient places. Um, but yeah, it was it was fun, and it was just, you know, it was adventure. 
I think I played the second, and I did play the second one as well. I don't remember if I played the third one. I can't remember, but um, I think I played, the next one I played was um, Angel of Darkness. Oh. Yeah. God, if, I, I, there's a part <laughs> of me that really wants to do an episode of my favorite game on that game, but yeah. actually be called my least favorite game. <laughs> so if you, if you don't like Tomb Raider, Angel of Darkness, hit me up. Hit me up on Twitter <laughs> and we'll talk. Yeah, that game, I don't think I even finished it, actually. But um, it's weird. I had, like, a real love-hate relationship with that game because, like, some of it was really cool. Like, she was walking around in the rain. She was, like, wearing all denim. She was in a cityscape. It was like, this is really different. This is not, like, Tomb Raider. But then, like, I remember there was a part where you played as this really annoying guy. I can't remember his name. And it, there, there was a really hard boss fight. I, I don't know. I remember it kind of, it got really, really long and maybe it wasn't even as long as I remember it being. I just remember, I remember I just, I gave up. I was like, mm, I'm over it. This, you know, I'm fine. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. I'll, it kind of turned me, I don't, I don't think it turned me off Tomb Raider for a while, but I was just like, oh, whatever, you know, I'm not really feeling it. Mm. And I didn't go back into Legends. <laughs> I, I think I know who you're on about because the name of the, the guy protagonist is at the tip of my mind. Yeah. I just cannot get it through. And I'm just like, that sort of also sums up Angel of Darkness as a whole. It's just like, <laughs> everything is there. Can't get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I actually remember like seeing Angel of Darkness for the first time on an official PlayStation magazine cover because I remember being in County Longford at the time, um, play, uh, like sort of reading through it and just, just um, seeing it in a shop in, in Longford and just like, okay, this seems rather cool. And then about what two or three months later, it came out and got something like three and fours out of ten. It's just like, oh, oh, god, <laughs> wow. Yeah, I think I wasn't really aware of any controversy surrounding at the time. I just, you know, I gave it a go and I didn't, I liked some of it for sure, but I didn't like it as much as I liked the other games and I I didn't feel a need to finish it. Mm. Um, and I do usually finish games, so it was kind of like, mm, okay. But yeah, I, it was only after, I think it was probably years later that I heard like, oh yeah, everyone hates that one. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, uh, that sort of sums it up, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> the new ones are cool, though. Oh, the newer ones are fantastic. Like, the reboot uh, was just basically... It's... And if, uh, like you mentioned Uncharted as well, it feels like sort of turnaround in a way because, like, the original Uncharted was sort of inspired by Tomb Raider and now the Tomb Raider reboot's been inspired by Uncharted. It just feels like... It's true. It's really interesting because they're both, yeah, I think they're both kind of two sides of the same adventure coin, but um, they both have so much merit on their own as well. Like Nathan Drake is a very different character to Lara Croft and, and they're very like established in their own ways and they're fun to play. And um, both do a really good job of like just taking you by the hand and pulling you through this adventure. Um, yeah, I, I really, they're both very very enjoyable games to play. You can kind of just sit back and, and have fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, like, especially with Tomb Raider, like, or at least the reboots, I mean, like, Tomb Raider 2014 was fantastic. Yeah. Shadow of the Tomb Raider was absolutely brilliant. I will happily go to back for that game. Um, 
right uh sorry rise of the two meter was the one i was referring to there uh it's, it's really confusing to sort of keep up with the new <laughs> you know, yeah, conventions yeah. <laughs> but like rise of the two meter that's the one i was on but second game basically and that's trilogy like that's just like uh, chef's kiss brilliant absolutely wonderful shadow of the two meter uh... yeah that's the is that the one where she's like is she in peru or somewhere yeah somewhere in america yeah I don't know. I, I kind of felt the same. I don't know if it was like, um, maybe there was just too much of the same because I mean, at, at that point they knew what worked. Right. And so, and of course, like, why not, you know, use your formula, but I guess I didn't feel like I was playing anything new or I, I, I don't know. It didn't grab me the same way. I remember there were some very cool parts though. I don't know if this was in the previous games, but you could, swim kind of and stay below the surface and pull people into the water i can't remember if that was in the other games but i love doing that that was my favorite way to take out an area <laughs> if there was water nearby <laughs> just to be like yoink <laughs> <laughs> the perfect sort of stealth section basically exactly yes i mean as you can guess i played i mean i love games that give you the options for stealth and i played most of Tremator and stealth when i could i also love those arrows that um turned people against each other like turn them mad i can't remember if that was only in, in three as well or was maybe it started in two but yeah that was always a fun way to clear an area <laughs> well i guess we'll, we'll touch upon stealth as a whole when we get their honorable mentions um later on but like the, the other thing that i sort of find fascinating about um at least the more recent two major games is just how much how different they feel anyway, like even amongst each other, because like one is sort of the foundation of what comes in the future. And then two is this massive, feels like this massive Uncharted 2 moment in a way, mm. in terms of everything about that game, qualitative wise, is just amazing. And then Idos Montreal takes over. And what they try and do with it is just basically um more of the same which i don't know if i was okay with because like mm. well, i mean like it's it's, it's 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 fine for what it is but like at least with one and two there was there was at least a good fundamental difference or two anyway in terms of what they were trying to do anyway but like i think the point is that at least all three games sort of signify a massive return for what that series was especially with crystal dynamics coming in towards the end of the 2010s anyway with legends like you say um mm -hmm. and coming off the back of angel of darkness i, I think it's I, i'm definitely interested to see what happens now with two meter after after this sort of reboot trilogy and see where crystal dynamics takes it next absolutely yeah i mean it's rare as well that you have a character that survives for like what is it 20 or 25 years of, of games yeah um, so yeah it's, it's awesome i can't wait to see what they end up where they end up going with her next <laughs> Yeah, like I wanted to write um, creatively for a very long time, you know, ever since I was small, but um, it was kind of never presented as a sustainable option. Like when I was growing up, you know, you, you're, you're a teacher or you're a doctor or you're a lawyer, like, you know, <laughs> you have to get a real job. Um, and I kind of didn't think that it was even like writing creatively was something that I could do, like, you know, write a novel or something. I mean, sure, but how are you gonna pay the bills, et cetera. So um, I kind of put it out of my mind and I originally went into teaching and I am not suited to that <laughs> at all. Um, I mean, I really like the actual teaching part, but you know, that's only one part of your job. Like you're also 
a counselor and disciplinarian and a social worker and yeah it's just it did not suit me um and I ended up leaving teaching to do some freelance writing I still hadn't hit on games yet <laughs> it took me a very long time it was actually a friend said to me that she wanted to be a game writer and it was like this light bulb moment <laughs> I was like hang on a minute <laughs> these games that I like and and their characters and their stories and someone's making that of course that's someone's job it was like it just never hit me that that's a job and that I could do it like I thought maybe I never I never even thought about it but if I was pushed to think about it I probably thought you had to be a programmer or something um I, just, I had no knowledge of how the industry worked at all um but yeah once I found out more and I found out you can be a professional video game writer and you can make up the stories and the dialogue and stuff and that's a real job and people will pay you <laughs> um yeah I, I started chasing that um straight away and so I did some um indie game work as a freelancer and um I also wrote some spec scripts and I made a really bad twine game and uh amazingly a Ubisoft recruiter called me and was like oh, yeah everyone likes your samples and we have a three-month contract on Assassin's Creed Odyssey and I was like okay <laughs> and yeah that was it it was weird weird and wonderful <laughs> the sort of weird twisted rule uh road from basically going from primary school teacher it was primary school wasn't it no secondary school 11 oh to no <laughs> <laughs> yeah because I wanted to teach English literature <laughs> oh I know what a fool I was English. <laughs> Foolish decision. You would have put up with dickheads like me. Because I was only 23 as well. So, oh. and my my oldest student was 20. Oh. Yeah. So, I mean, you can imagine how well that went. <laughs> yeah. You can't see this, but I'm just basically giving the sconce and I'm just going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, there were some great times, but I knew, I knew in my heart, I can't do this for 40 years. I can't. <laughs> Fair totally fair i admire the people who do they have a different temperament Right, so let's touch upon your favorite game, which is Mass Effect 3. Um, so I think it's very well clear. Um, if any of you have listened to the show before, you will have known my love and sort of ad- admiration for the Mass Effect trilogy, um, especially with Leg- Legendary Edition that has now come out. Since we did the Mass Effect 2 episode last season with Kelsey Hansen of Anna Um 
So before we specifically talk of Mass Effect 3, um, what are your feelings on the first two games anyway? Yeah, I was um, I was a latecomer actually to Mass Effect. Um, I played the trilogy for the first time in 2017 oh. on a friend's Xbox. Yeah, I heard I'd heard about this game, but like for some reason, it never appealed to me when I saw it in shops. I was like, oh, okay. I mean, it looks like space adventure, war, maybe some magic is involved somehow. I was like, mm, I don't, I, I don't know why. I didn't think it was my thing. I just never picked it up. And then um, a friend made me play it. <laughs> And I was missing out. Oh my God. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're incredible games, but but Mass Effect 1, I think was definitely the toughest. I think the combat had a very steep learning curve. Um, and I think maybe maybe the game was still like trying to find its balance as an RPG. Um, it was it was a different experience to Mass Effect 2. And Mass Effect 2 is really where it the game shone for me. I mean, you get so many deep like personal connections with your crew and you have all these romance options suddenly <laughs> and um, the stakes are so high. I mean, the war comes to your front door, right? Like your crew gets taken and, and, and I loved that moment. I thought it was so very well done that, you know, you're building up this crew and then towards the end of the game, the Normandy is empty, you know, or practically empty and, and you really feel the impact of what's happened to you. And uh, yeah, it was so effective. And of course, the space travel is a lot of fun too. I scanned every single planet. <laughs> I mean, I know that that was kind of monotonous, but it was fun oh, in its way. own way. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it was fun in its own way. There was something like meditative about it. Um, and of course, the suicide mission. I mean, oh my God, what a moment. Like the pressure. I have never been so nervous about fictional characters in my life. I mean, these people's lives are in my hands. I have to make the right choice for everyone. I have to get everybody out. It's, oh, loved it. <laughs> I do not think you will encounter a mission quite like the suicide mission at Mass Effect 2 because it has the right level of stakes to it, especially, yes. when, you when, especially when it has characters in it and involved that you have sort of built up this sort of level of care and trust and love for i think that i think that sort of tells you a lot of how well bioware sort of made that mission like because for once like i said there is genuine stakes to it, it doesn't feel half-assed in a way it's, oh, it's earned it's earned yeah absolutely and it's amazing too it's amazing that um they were able to do that knowing the knock-on effects would have for Mass Effect 3 and knowing all the extra work they'd have to do to accommodate that, you know, based on who might have died, all the people, all the way they have to fill these plot holes. Like, I I don't know how they managed to get that made because I feel like if you suggested, oh, let's do that, but half the cast might die. <laughs> and it's like, well, maybe we don't do that because we've got another game to make. So it's like, yeah, I, I it's so good. It's so good. I love, I love that they managed to make that. <laughs> And those that you mentioned as well, um, Mass Effect 1, um, especially because um, that in itself had its sticks as well, like especially on um, uh, Ver Vermeer. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> so the first time I played this game, <laughs> first time I played this game, I did not understand that this game, you know, these are serious choices you are making. Um, and I ended up on Vermeer and I ended up getting Rex killed. I know, I know. And I didn't know what a big deal that was at the time. Um, luckily, I had, you know, the friend who made me play it was watching me play it. And she was like, restart. 
restart. You got to restart. <laughs> it's like, you can't, you restart right now. And I was like, are you serious? And I was like, you have to restart. <laughs> you have made an awful, awful decision that will haunt you for three games. You got to restart. So I did. <laughs> I restarted. I made sure I had full Paragon before we got to Vermeer. Rex is fine. <laughs> but yeah, I'm so glad because could you imagine? I mean, the consequences are dire and it's not really... It's not really presented that way to you. I mean, it is presented as, okay, this is an important character, now he's dead. But it's like, well, the game lets me, <laughs> the game lets me fail him. So it can't be that dire, right? It's like, no, it's dire. <laughs> it's a lot more dire than dire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, amazing. <laughs> I love especially, you mentioned the fact that you, you got Rex killed in that initial run. I was just like, it gave me sort of flashbacks to my own sort of original playthrough of Mass Effect 1 because somehow I was talking with him for too long about the cure for the genophage to the point where Ashley just basically shoots the men away. Yes, that's what it was. Ashley shot him for me too. And I was like, um, excuse me, I'm the captain. <laughs> Nobody told you to shoot him. <laughs> yes, I hate her. Oh my God, please at least say you made the choice that I didn't make at the time and said you sacrificed her no this is the worst part right because as much as she annoyed me Caden annoyed me more so. oh my god <laughs> so I I and you know what I bet when I replayed I replayed legendary edition I was like okay this time I'm gonna save Caden just see what happens we got there I couldn't do it <laughs> I'm sorry Caden you're dying it's like I don't care about you Caden I don't care about you you're very I, I heard as well I heard he gets great but I'm sorry, I've yet to see it. <laughs> I may, I let him die every time. Because <laughs> when I did when I did legendary, Edition, I was like, okay, I need to redeem myself here. I need to save Rex, and I need to kill off Ashley. <laughs> I need to kill her off. Thank God I did. But like okay. Jesus, I was just like, she needs to die. She was needs Kaden to die. Was Caden worth it? Was Caden? Yeah, you see. Well, well. well. <laughs> At least he's not a racist piece. Uh, at least he's not a racist piece of shit. That is very true. Yeah, I was actually really surprised by the way they <laughs> Ashley's arc went. I was like, oh my god, you're a monster. I mean, at least she ends up kind of like <laughs> she ends up growing past her racism and recognizing that she was racist. But still, mm. it's like, girl, come on. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, th- I think pretty bad there for a bit. <laughs> so yeah, legendary edition was sort of my redemption arc for for what I went through in the original Mass Effect, um, finishing that up the weekend before Mass Effect 2 came out. I also picked up on the fact that you said Mass Effect 1 was harder than probably Mass Effect 2 and 3. Was that... Why do you think that was? Because, like, Mass Effect 1, at least the original Mass Effect 1 before Legendary Edition, like, it did not age well, like, uh, like mm. gameplay-wise, and especially did not um, age well, like compared to um, when it first came out anyway. But like also, it was a lot more RPG in a sense in terms of its sort of gameplay, whereas 2 and 3 are a bit more streamlined action gameplay. Like, yeah. Like, like, why do you think that was? Yeah, I do think it was maybe um, them trying to find the balance or, or trying to feel like what was most fun. I think they definitely were, I mean, I don't know, but I, I imagine they definitely were aiming for kind of a hardcore RPG with the first one um like you do have a lot more kind of an overwhelming amount of options for like your first game in the trilogy as well I think like even when I went back and played it um 
when I played the legendary edition and I knew what I was getting into, I was still like, oh my God, there's so many options. There's so many ways I can upgrade my gun. There's so many different guns I can bring with me. There's so, <laughs> so many different like power slots. And it's like, oh my God. And I also think, um, I don't know if this is true, but maybe you just have to get used to playing it as well. But I feel like the AI is definitely tougher than it is in two and three. Um, I think the combat is, is, is more grueling because um, I find two and three easier to play through. And I don't think it's just a, a case of being more used to the gameplay style because they, they differ a lot as well. Um, yeah, but I think they probably maybe intended one to be kind of this hardcore RPG combat, like space war soldier combat game. And then they were they realized perhaps that the value in this game is the camaraderie and, and you know, the relationships with the characters and um, action adventure was a better route. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. 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 No, definitely. Um, we'll touch upon all the, um, the character aspects and, and, and legendary edition itself, proper detailing, but, um, but jumping on the Mass Effect 3 then, um, again, like even at the very start of the game, there still felt like massive, massive stakes ruined because like, you knew what was coming, like, especially from that epic ending of two, like that sort of short tease at the end of two, the Reapers were coming and they were going towards Earth. And then there was the arrival DLC for Mass Effect 2 that sort of set everything up. I don't know if you played that or just sort of skipped it. Oh, you did. Um, um, That sort of set up everything with regards to the Reapers and all that there. But like, when I tell you, I don't think you will see one of the most epic endings in a game with Mass Effect 3. I think that you know words good. Let me let me let me re-emphasize this. Like I don't think you will find one of the most more epic endings in a game than you will Mass Effect 3. Cause mm-hmm. it just feels like a culmination of oh shit, here we fucking go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean like even from like the title screen and you see the fire raining down on Earth. I mean, it's just the way they're like, okay, how are we going to top two? All right, so we open, Earth is on fire. (laughs) From from the very beginning, like you said, the stakes are so high and you've just picked up the controller. (laughs) It's like, yeah, and and I don't know, they they managed to um, deliver on that through Mm. the whole game. It's not like it started out out too strong. No, Mm. Earth being on fire is just step one. Is they really, um, they really set up this, or not set up, but because one and two set it up, but three really delivered on the Reapers being a real threat. Mm. Like, and I, I love that because they weren't just, you know, the boogeyman. They, they weren't like something like, oh no, we need to like get rid of this as essential threat. I mean, the Reapers, you know, you're there. They're, they're gigantic. They're towering over you. They are obliterating cities in front of you and you've just started the game. <laughs> so it's just, you know, it, yeah, it's, it's, the stakes are huge. And I think it was also um, a very clever way of tutorializing um, like the controls and stuff for the opening because like you're following Anderson, you know, you trust him, so that's fine. Um, you don't kind of need to spend any time getting to know him, you know who he is. Um, and yeah, you're running, you're learning to walk and run and jump and stuff, but you have this incredible battle going on all around you and it really captures your attention. And I, I know, I heard that a lot of, well, maybe not a lot of people, but I heard some people really um, disliked, 
I guess, the emotional play on, on you seeing the little boy that you try to help and you don't get to him and then you see his his ship blow up <laughs> it's like um I I liked that I mean I thought, you know it's it's putting a face on the destruction around mm. you and yeah it's obviously an emotional like heart it's it's survivor's guilt in a way yeah it's you, know, that's, that's what it co- comes across to me anyway it feels like an element of survivor's guilt yes and I mean I think Shepard deals with that through through the whole of of uh, Mass Effect three. Well, through the whole trilogy, maybe, but definitely through Mass Effect three. So yeah, I I really liked it. What an opening! My God, <laughs> like it feels like just sort of that perfect combination of story, gameplay, music, a spell. Oh, the music! Oh my God, I can't even start off the title screen without crying. <laughs> it's so good, so good. Leaving oh. leaving Earth just. Oh yeah! Oh my God, it's so good, and you I, know, you know, it's all going to end there. <laughs> oh, like, like you just feel like I, I don't quite know how to put it in words. Like, like I think Mass Effect definitely does have one or two of its significant faults, but you can't really say music is one of them because, oh my God, some of it is yes. just oh. Oh my God, I agree. Yeah, the music is gorgeous, and it's so like. It's emotional, but it's also epic, and it's just—it's perfect. I can't imagine it with other music. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, I think that's the best way to describe. It. Even like, what I love about Mass the Mass Effect trilogy, um, especially one and three, is how they brought in um, fonts for the for the credit scenes for the credits music. Right. And oh. they 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 chose like the perfect songs across both the credit scenes. It's just like this this sticks, this sticks yeah. for me. This this is good. This is really good, especially for Mass Effect One. I think they made an incredible choice. Oh god, that. yeah, it's gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah. Per- perfect song choices there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, in, in terms of the game's opening, like it just feels like especially as well, Shepard's basically under arrest when you start the game. Yes. Like, uh, after after the events of Mass Effect 2's arrival DLC and I feel I feel like oh um the reapers are coming what do we do oh we have Shepard under arrest let's just keep her there lock lock and key and then she co- and then she comes forward to the council with her case on oh yeah the reapers are coming here oh this is something that um I wanted to mention as well but I completely forgot about it, but then just remembered because the fact there is little to no Reaper showings in Mass Effect 2, that sort of makes the payoff of them arriving on Earth in Mass Effect 3 a lot more worthwhile. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's like yeah. It's, it's like the whole Jaws thing, right? Like you don't show the monster until you really want it to pay off. Um, yeah, it, absolutely. Because uh, I mean, they were, you know, they, they were out there. You knew they were out there. They were coming. You saw what one looked like in one. But yeah, you're totally right. They're not. They're not in two, are they? They don't feature. Mm, they don't. They don't like, like, I don't know if that, there's, just, there's certainly no significant presence of them or significant showings of them. Like, there might be, you know, you might see one in, pa- in passing or something. I don't know. But, like, yeah, but I mean, the, not, not as much as Mass Effect 1. Anyway. And certainly, you know, they don't really sort of make their presence felt until 3. Exactly. Yeah. I remember now they were making one at the collector base, right? But they were, ma- it, it didn't look like, the reapers that invaded us because they made it look like um a human one because apparently yeah. they take the form of 
of what of the race they weep is really weird but okay but <laughs> but yeah the yeah you're totally right you you don't you see them suddenly on earth mm. decimating cities <laughs> yeah it's such an impact <laughs> yeah like the payoff there is just well done there i think yep. i think that certainly helps add to it um so who were you sort of party members when you were playing Mass Effect 3 because like for me anyway like my two main go-tos was Garrus and Liara oh my god same <laughs> same same yeah same every now and then I thought maybe I should give somebody else a little jaunt out of Normandy but no <laughs> yeah I mean I think I I used to bring um or I think no, I tried bringing Rex a few times when I replayed recently because I don't know I always think he's gonna be better than he is no offense, Rex. I think you're a little slow on the uptake. <laughs> like Garrus is always Garrus always has my back. Like, you know, always perfect shot. And then, you know, Liara. Liara is so powerful. And their banter is great too. So I think I brought Tally once because I love Tally. She's so cute, but then I regretted it. <laughs> it was like Tally, honey. You can't do anything. I mean, if I have some tech around, I'll call you, but otherwise. <laughs> But yeah, no, Garrus and Liara for sure. They were always my go-to as well. I, I, I would always like sometimes like, like but, but, but like for the most part, it would always be for me, Garrus and Liara because they always had the best chemistry together. Yes, yes. yes. The banter was fantastic. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I loved it. Especially. I made a really awkward situation for myself in Mass Effect 3 when I last played because... I was playing Renegade and so I wanted to like try and get with everybody just to see what would happen and <laughs> I was with Liara and then I was with Garrus and then Liara found out and she was mad at me and then I brought the both of them onto the <laughs> on with me to the next mission and I don't think they had any lines to reference it but whether I imagined it or not Liara was like much more curt with Garrus <laughs> it was so much fun <laughs> oh Oh my god, that that's perfect. That just sort of sums up Mass Effect right there. Yeah. <laughs> just just this <laughs> the, the, I was gonna say it's it's big massive fantasy US sort of type thing you'd see on HBO. No, it's just basically the equivalent of a soap, basically. Yes, exactly. And that's that's what makes it so um endearing, I think, to so many people. I mean, yes, the stakes are high and it's gorgeous and it's you know, it's it's um, it's this big adventure, but it's the characters, right? It's it's that human element. I mean, I know they're aliens, but it's <laughs> it's the human connection and um, yeah, their emotions and and how you interact with them. That's mm. what really makes it so memorable. I think, yeah, like you say, it's it's those sort of emotions and feelings that you get when when you see these characters, like Garrus, like they are, like Rex like Tally, et cetera, and Edie and Joker and stuff like that there. I think that's sort of why Mass Effect, the Shepard trilogy anyway, like feels so special because like Bioware has managed to write these nuanced, well-delicate, well-made characters that feel important to you. I think that's sort of why the stakes are so high when you go for the suicide mission in Mass Effect 2. Like, um, I had, um, blah, 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 blah. So, so for the suicide mission, so I was Femship. I love playing as Femship, and my love interest was Newman Chambers. Even though oh. she wasn't, she wasn't, she wasn't really an official love interest, but 
you know, that's that's by and that's all that matters. <laughs> that's by where's penance, and they will pay it one day. Anyway, um, my so Chambers was my love interest in the original Mass Effect too, and. I was terrified going through that suicide mission in uh, to trying to get Chambers back. And I thankfully did. And uh, you see her on the Citadel. In the st- I don't want to call it slums, but like it's the only way you could sort of describe it. In the slums in the Citadel in Mass Effect 3. And like um, you just sort of you just see her there. And I think you do a mission for her on the Citadel or something. And, um, and it was good to just see her again. And then for the legendary edition play for I did, I lost Timbers. <laughs> she died. The collectors killed her. I was like, no, they basically turned her into paste. Basically, I was like, I was going to say, I'm sorry, but I did the same thing. <laughs> because when I played, I, I'm pretty sure I saved her the first time, but when I would play the legendary edition, I'd forgotten that if you don't get there early, mm. um, you know, people die, except yeah. for. Um, What's the doctor's name? Hawkins? Chakras. Chakras. Why do you think Hawkins? <gasps> yeah. Um, yeah. Except for her. But yeah. Um, so I like, you know, did my business around the galaxy and then I rocked up to the collector base to find my friends. And she was like, why did you take so long? I was like, but excuse me, I have a war actually. But yeah, I, uh, I lost chambers. Sorry. <laughs> and, and I just like my heart just basically dropped when I seen her just basically become collector paste. Basically, it's yeah. like, I was just like, I was just like, oh, amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it's so well done because she's 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 awake, isn't she? She looks at you. It's like, oh no, (laughs) she's just crystal clone with the thing like Shepard, help me, love. I did feel guilty, but I was also like, well, I I I felt guilty until Shaka started um, admonishing me, and then I was like, hang on, (laughs) you're lucky I'm here at all. Are you sure you want to go in that pod? Because I'm happy to put you in that pod instead of Chambers. Yeah, it's like, I'm here to save your life, so you better be grateful. <laughs> um, I guess what I'm trying to get at is just like, again, yeah, there is so much. There is, at least with, with Mass Effect, you feel those sort of characters, you care for those characters a lot to the point you, you genuinely feel horror and disdain when you lose them anyway regardless of whenever that's mass effect 2 or mass effect 3 you genuinely feel like a sickening feeling in your stomach when you do lose them eventually yes oh absolutely yeah i mean was it um oh my god which game is it where tally can die is that is that it that's three isn't it when you have to it is yeah yes Yes. So I didn't even know that was an option because I was always like, Tally, whatever you need, I'm here for you. Okay. <laughs> like I will do whatever it takes. So I think I found out I was, I was looking at other like options online, you know, just to see like what happens if someone dies or how they die. And yes, I saw that like Tally will kill herself if like, um, oh, what are people called? Even I'm looking this up because even after playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition, uh, my sort of uh, my mind's just basically gone. Yeah. Oh my god. What are they called? Hang on. I gotta look it up too. <laughs> uh, da, 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 da. I'm even. I'm looking myself. Um, Quarians. Yes, that's it. Quarians. Yes. Yes. So yeah, if if the Geth attack the Quarians, um, and yeah, she'll she'll kill herself. Oh my. And God, so dramatic. Like she just doesn't she drop off the cliff. So yeah, I'm, I never had that happen. 
because I always, you know, I always managed to convince her, this is fine, everything's chill, <laughs> just relax. But um, yeah, I, I totally know what you mean. Like you get such a, um, you know, your heart sinks when, when something happens to them. I think I played, I was very, very careful the first time I played the suicide mission for obvious reasons. Mm. And then the second time I played it, I was like, well, you know, let's just like, let's just see. Like I had my save ready to like reload. <laughs> um let's just try with a few people and see what happens and I think I lost Legion in one of them and I mean I wasn't even like that enamored with Legion I mean Legion's cool but but yeah what, <laughs> even so Legion died and I was like okay reload <laughs> I am not losing I'm not losing anybody not even Legion <laughs> yeah you really feel it and you and you lose Legion anyway in Mass Effect regardless of any decision you make anyway don't you not um I guess you do don't you yeah you do because like I remember trying to get both sides sort of stand out from one another for the legend for the yes. legendary edition. Yeah. And yeah, you're right. You do. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so it it just seems sort sort of rather mute. They basically say, well, if I, well, not mute because then you get both sides as part of the war against the the Reapers. But like, you still sort of lose Re- uh, Legion anyway. It's just like, hmm. I'd rather I'd rather lose Legion than than Tally. Oh yeah, yeah, same. I mean, but, if, if if it's coming down to that, if it's coming down to me choosing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's it's not that I wouldn't want to lose a Legion, but if you had to make a choice, yeah, I'd still I'd still pick Tally over Legion. So yeah. anyway, um, poor Tally had to jump off the cliff. <laughs> She didn't have to, not in my version. I always felt like very responsible for Tally because I mean, when you meet her in Mass Effect 1, like she's a young girl, isn't she? I mean, she's Mm. on her pilgrimage for her people. I don't know what age she's meant to be, but like I figure she's meant to be like 18 or whatever, you know, Mm. some kind of coming of age thing. And um, she chooses like to save the world with you, uh, you know, because she wants to make a difference. And she's so optimistic and she's so pure. It's like, I always feel like I've got to protect this girl. I have a little girl on my ship for some reason. And I'm going to protect her. <laughs> um, so we sort of alluded to this earlier, um, but like Mass Effect 3 and I'm Mass Effect 2 as well. Um, like they feel more action centric than they do an RPG. Um, Talk to me about that a little bit and how you sort of went through with that in mind. Yeah, I think um, yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, it, it did feel like Mass Effect 1 was very RPG focused and not so much focused on the character. I mean, I know, I know you can have some romance options. Like, for example, you can you can romance Liara. Um, I'm not sure who else you can romance because I think Liara throws herself at you immediately. <laughs> like, I, <laughs> I think they really... Um, they found the balance of that in the later games and they kind of made you work a little bit for a romance and, and they made things feel a bit more organic. Um, whereas, yeah, like you said, Mass Effect 1 was mostly kind of RPG and very combat focused and, and the characters didn't feel as fleshed out. Um, like, I'm pretty sure I just said hi to Liara and she was like, hello, I am now your girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, this is how we're, this is how this works, huh? Um, whereas, yeah, I, I remember um, Garrus hasn't become romanceable until two. I tried mm. to romance Garrus in one. I talked to him so many times and every time he was like, what? <laughs> 
So I was like, okay, he's hard to get, but it's because he, you couldn't get him. But, um, but yeah, even, even in two, like you have to put in time and effort with the characters to get to know them. You have, you know, their side missions. You have, oh, especially in two with like the loyalty status. Mm. I loved that. I love that so much. Um, Cause you have lots of people who have no reason to be loyal to you yet. I mean, they're with you cause they have something to gain or they're with you because they know the reaper threat is real but you know they're not loyal to you they're loyal to the mission and then you get them loyal to you and that's such a good feeling <laughs> but um but yeah I, I think two and then three as a result really focused on that action adventure and like the narrative was first and foremost and you know the your relationship to these characters was put front and center uh in the way it wasn't so much with one and I, i'm not sure why maybe Maybe, like I said earlier, they kind of realized this is where the value is, or or maybe they were planning to flesh it out later, but it just wasn't given as much priority in one. So I don't really remember, aside from like Vermeer and things like that, um, I don't really remember kind of those key character moments in mm. one as much as I do in two and three. Mm. And maybe that's not the game's fault, maybe that's my memory. <laughs> But yeah, it, it just it didn't feel the same way as two and three did. Mm. No, I, I would actually definitely agree with you there because like Mass Effect One, like good as it was, and like especially great as it was when playing through the legendary edition, like there is no sort of besides Vermeer, there's no real sort of big moments or sticks in them regards to characters and anyway, compared to two or three, like whereas with two, there's certainly at least two or three in that game. And like with three, there's like there's a lot of the stakes there, especially in the build up to going back to Earth and taking on the Reapers. Like 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 you said, like you're you're right in that regard anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. And and I guess it does make sense as well for the flow of of the trilogy. Um because you are getting to know more people as well. So you are getting more invested in them and you're spending more time with them. Mm. But I really think the, the balance was so good in two, especially because you have such a huge crew. I mean, your crew for one is quite small as well. And, and mm. even so, you don't kind of get as many character moments with them, even though you, I think you have a crew of only about six, maybe. Um, maybe a bit more, but you end up losing one of them anyway, <laughs> Kane or Ashley. Um, but yeah, with two, like your crew is huge. Um, I can't remember how many there are, but I, you know, there's there's loads. And um, mm. but you you get to have these personal moments, all of them, or well, you can, you don't have to, of course, you know, you, you but if you want to, they're there. Um, yeah, they struck a really good balance with that in two and in three, but especially in two, because you have so many, <laughs> so many squad members. Mm, like with Mass Effect, like the, I think because between Mass Effect 1 and 2, they expand the, the sort of party size exponentially because like you've got Miranda and Jacob as well. You've got Jack and on basically like it just basically goes from like how many was it you said from Mass Effect 1, 6, and it just basically jumps up to at least over 10 anyway. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it almost doubles in size. It's it's crazy. But, but yeah, I mean, they're all such great characters and they all have so much you know they're all very distinct personalities and um yeah that's that's where the heart of that game is for sure mm. and like you said like distinct personalities as well as like their own just sort of distinctive aspects that they bring the gameplay as well yes exactly i mean i often think about how much of a different gameplay experience you can if you mix up your crew mm. i'm too attached to 
<laughs> Gareth and Liara to do that. Um, but I should, I think, on my next playthrough, I should really switch things up. It's funny because you're always like, next time I play, I'm, I'm going to do this. But you always go back to your favorites, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, because I think you could probably have a very different experience. I'm sure you can, um, mm. depending on who you take. Mm. Yeah. I, I, basically, it's just sort of the equivalent of sticking with... Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's just basically sticking with what is essentially um, routine. And yes. that's that. It's, it's routine, basically. It is. Yeah, it's like, here I go again, saving the galaxy. <laughs> with these same two people. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's hard work, but someone has to do it. <laughs> so I'm just br- dragging along the two people who have just basically done it alongside me, and I'm just sort of exhausting <laughs> them at this point. Yep. <laughs> They love it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did you play as? Did you play as Femship? I did, yes. Um, yeah, I, I, it's funny. Yeah, I, I have to remind myself, of course, yeah, Femship doesn't, or Shepherd is not necessarily uh, Femship, but yeah, I always play as Femship. And I, that's the other thing. I would like to play as Male Shepherd because you also get a different experience and you get different romance options. Um, but I can't leave my girl behind. <laughs> I don't think I would enjoy Mass Effect as much if I wasn't playing Femshep. Mm. And I love that you can import the same character model from one to three. I mean, that's fantastic because I really feel like she's my girl and like, look at her. She went through all this. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was always Femshep. <laughs> I, I adore Femshep. And I, I said this before with the Mass Effect 2 episode last season. It's just she is definitely one of the best well-made characters in a game i've ever played and it makes playing as her feel a lot more worthwhile and a lot more enjoyable anyway to the experience and already the 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 experience is very enjoyable anyway yes yeah i love how she i think it would have been very easy for them to um make her more of a blank slate Hmm. because you know she is kind of meant to just you know be something for the for the players who embody but I love how they gave her a very distinct personality even with the um, choices you have like Paragon or Renegade it's not like you're playing a goody goody or a baddie you know like it's still her Mm -hmm. um she's still funny she's still sarcastic like she's maybe a bit more trigger happy with the Renegade option (laughs) but you know like it's still like she is who she is and um everything makes sense in context um, you know, her responses make sense in context. It doesn't sound like it's not her. It sounds like, she, you know, maybe she's in a good mood, maybe she's in a bad mood. <laughs> but um, yeah, they, they were very true to her character. I thought that was very cool. Mm, no, definitely. I think also what brings out Femship to her best is basically Jennifer Hale. Oh my God, yes. Oh, such amazing, amazing voice acting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to whoever you are, sir, but I can't remember who plays. Mark Meir. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, yeah. Every single time I play, it's Femshep Land, so. <laughs> like, like, we we apologize to Mark Meir for just sort of Yes, saying, I'm so sorry. I'm sure yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> we know you're amazing, Mark, but like, we just can't help ourselves. We yeah. love, we love, we love Jennifer Hale. We love Jenny Hale. We love Femshep. <laughs> yeah. It's got to be friendship. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, we sort of um, went over it there in terms of the characters, but like another aspect of Mass Effect that I think 
is discussed quite a bit is the writing like like it feels like some of the world building in mass effect is some of the best certainly in games that you'll see in the past 10 maybe 15 years or so um and as a writer uh mm-hmm. i want to get your two cents on it because like i feel like especially for me like i, I like I say, it feels like some of the best writing in games like over the past 10, 15 years, like I said. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think it's amazing how there's so much care that goes into making each world feel like its own place. I mean, it really feels like it has its own history. It has its own people and culture and, and laws and everything. I mean, that alone is a great feat, but that and tying together the strings across three games um it's just it's incredible like I I was trying to imagine how (laughs) how they do it because the narrative is so intricate I mean you've so many characters you have so many possibilities with those characters aside from the romance options I mean you know you're trying to piece together this incredibly satisfying plot but with key characters who could be there or might not be there yeah it's fantastic (laughs) but um yeah, I think from a world building perspective, um, the Krogan were probably the most interesting for me. I think like their history as a race was so interesting, how they were, you know, uplifted inverted commas by the Salarians when they needed them for the Rachni Wars. And then like the Salarians realized that the Krogan were a threat. So they created the Genophage. And of course, then the Genophage has such interesting like real world implications because you know that it's horrific and it's basically a, a, a weapon of mass destruction and you know it's meant to be a deterrent and you know like the Salarians are playing god but they never they never meant to you know pull the trigger on that but of course like I find the Salarians so interesting too because they're brilliant and they're arrogant about it because they know they're brilliant but they're not mustache twirlers you know like they they only live to 40 years as well like life is precious for them and um they never intended for it to be used. And then of course the Turians released it. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's, I find the Krogan are really, really interesting. And, and not only the Krogan, but how other characters react to them and react to the Genophage, because you get this great um, perspective on, on each character and kind of each world based on what they think the Genophage. Was it good? Was it bad? Should it be cured? Should it not be cured? And how to handle it. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, the Krogan were were fascinating. I mean, it was kind of like um, the whole atomic bomb thing, right? It's like, you know, we have this, but we'll never use it. <laughs> and then, of course, yeah. Sort it was, of, it, so, that stuff got dark. <laughs> sort of Oppenheimer-esque in a way. Yeah, I mean, it was really like, they. I think they went to some very serious places with the Krogan storyline. And um, yeah, it was really, really interesting. Um, for me, I think they're probably the most interesting race with their mm. history um well the other thing that i sort of want to pick up on is how again again some of the world building is so, like there's some serious absolutely i think how bioware does it across all three games is especially incredible like i think the one thing that sort of sticks out for me is just the breadth and depth of things like the Citadel, especially in free, because it feels oh, a lot God. more, it feels like a lot more fleshed out than it would have been back in one. And yes. then Omega as well. Oh, Omega. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, I think um, the Citadel, oh my God, I love, I love the Citadel. I love how the Citadel always feels like you're coming home a little in a little bit because um, you have seen it through one and through two and through three. Mm -hmm. And of course it changes, but it keeps its essence and it, um, it feels like a real place. But I absolutely, without fail, get lost every time I go there. It doesn't matter how many times I go there, I would always get lost. And I'll always go up to one of those little transport hub things and try to find my way around. <laughs> but um, but I, in a weird way, I kind of enjoy the getting lost. Like I know it's probably a level designer would probably be horrified and say, no, you should always know where you're going. But it felt like I was wandering around a real place. And um, yeah, I, I love the Citadel for sure. But I think you, you get to see some other really interesting places. Like, you know, you've heard so much about Thessia and then you get to go there and you see that it's basically in ashes and you know the same thing is happening on earth. So it's not just that you're going to these cool places, but they're also, they have an impact on your understanding of the rest of the story. Um, but yeah, for, for me, probably the most interesting one is of course the Normandy because mm. that, that also gets its upgrades over the course of the three games, but that always has that familiarity and feels like it's a real place and you got mm. your real crew working there and yeah, you have such an emotional connection to it that yeah, the Normandy, um, the Normandy, the Normandy is important. <laughs> I, and just to go back on the Citadel as well, like even in the Citadel itself, there are still smaller stories to sort of go through and all that there. And like even even the journalist stuff, like like it's Oh my just... god, yes, yes. Oh, what's her name? Diana Diana Allers, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And you can bring her on your ship. I <laughs> she's like kind of like she's tucked away in the in like the basement part. I'm sorry, girl. <laughs> but yeah. That, that isn't even the journalist I was referring to. The journalist oh. I was referring to is the one who you can punch. Oh, yeah, I punched her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, my first playthrough, I was Paragon and I was like, I suffered her with great politeness. But yeah, on my Renegade playthrough, I was like, punch. On my Renegade playthrough as well, <laughs> I hung up on the council every single time and it never got old. <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, you should probably be doing that anyway, even as a paragon. Right? Yes. <laughs> there was one time I called and they're like, are you calling us just to hang up again? And I did. <laughs> <laughs> it was too much fun. I mean, come on. <laughs> what am I supposed to do? <laughs> it's just basically the equivalent of Bart basically prank calling Moe's in the Simpsons. Yes. I mean, this is what you get for not listening to me, okay? <laughs> You reap, you literally reap what you sow. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> no one's seen that, but I just basically did. Yeah. It was like, yep, yeah, I did that. And I'm loving that now. <laughs> um, okay, so we touched upon it a little bit there uh, uh, with the start of the game, but like, um, and even towards the end of the game as well, but like, um, or even at the end of the game, but like, oh, music. It's so good, so brilliant. Like, like, I think that is actually another big reason why Mass Effect is so beloved. And like, for all criticisms, Mass Effect Andromeda deserves, I think, and we'll talk about Andromeda in a bit, but like, music is definitely one of the strongest across, the one of the strongest aspects of the Mass Effect series, across the trilogy, across Andromeda. Um, it feels like for me, 
the the way the music is used in in these games is it's it's earned it's done it's it's earned its place anyway like you feel in those moments anyway it feels earned mm, yeah yeah absolutely i think um yeah the music suited the tone so well and and i love how it's kind of like how does it manage to be nostalgic <laughs> You know, for like, I mean, even even the first one, I think even before I I'd ever played it and I started up Mass Effect One and you hear that, oh it was like, oh, you know, I mean I'm 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 missing something. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's just it's so very beautiful. They get the tone right every time. <laughs> it's sort of that sort of nostalgic pang. Yeah, 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 it's gorgeous. <laughs> it's it's sort of the only way to describe it, but like the way by like Again, the way Bioware uses music and across all the Mass Effect games is just, yeah, you, you can just sort of, you can actually sit here and think back on certain moments on um, in the series and you can, t- and whenever you think back on those moments, whether that's, you know, landing on the first planet in Mass Effect 1, talking to the elusive man, getting off earth in mass effect free etc or even at the end of the game you can definitely pick out the music from those moments immediately i think that's such a strong element of why the music works so well because it's so memorable and so so good oh my god yeah absolutely just yeah oh so good (laughs) um just like it was slightly rewind back um, in terms of some the, the the characters in the game, like like you say, um, like there are a lot more character moments in Mass Effect Three than there would be Mass Effect One, or, and maybe even to an extent Mass Effect Two, um, yeah. because again stakes and all that there. Um, but especially in Three, um, you get things like Tally and Legion and all that there, but also things like Morden. Oh my god, Morden. <laughs> Morden! <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Um yeah, Morden. Morden's pivotal. Um I think even even when I did my renegade playthrough, I could not kill him. Like I had to let him cure the genophage. I had to. I was distraught, but you know, like oh and his line like it had to be me. Somebody else might have gotten it wrong. So, oh my god. Yeah, he he's a great character, and I love how um, the game really examines his morality and his choices. Um, but it, it made you love him because he was he was very kind of clinical about you know life and death and 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 science and sacrifices. But um, yeah, I don't think I could ever be able to see that go another way in another playthrough. Like no matter what, I will not be stopping Morden. But I will be crying. <laughs> um, like I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop him, and I couldn't lie to the Krogan. I mean, I've been through too much with Rex. Like I wasn't gonna lie to Rex. Like no. So yeah, I the Krogans had to be cured. Um, you know, the genophage was horrific. They had to be, and I couldn't shoot Morden, so I just have to let him go. Just let him go. <laughs> it's just oh, it's beautiful. You honestly look like you're about to cry now. I mean, it's so good. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I love Morden. And it's funny too, because I first met him, I was like, oh, who's this dude? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. I think for Mass Effect 2, especially as well, because like, or at least in the original Mass Effect 2, before I did the legendary run, I lost Morden in the collective <gasps> uh, run through. Wait, oh, when did you meet, when did you lose him? I lost him, uh, I think, in the collector, sort of in the suicide mission, basically. No! Oh my god, so, and did you play three, and it's the other Solarian? Mm-hmm. And what's he, what's the Solarian like? Because I've never... <laughs> I, I honestly remember. cannot remember. Well, I, that, that says a lot, right? <laughs> exactly. So I only encountered the sort of, it had to be me moment for the first time when playing Legendary Edition. Oh, and did it kill you? <laughs> Not really, because I knew what was going to happen. Oh, but like, okay. but like, I, I also understand why it happens and why it, it feels like there's such a weight to that moment as well. Because, again, comes back to how well beloved these characters are and just sort of when these sort of moments happen, it just sort of drops your heart a little bit, like especially... It just... does. Because I think, I think you know it has to be this way. Like, he's taking responsibility for the genophage. Like, you know... Exactly. You, you, you know this is the right thing to do. It's so. It's just so sad. I love it. <laughs> it feels. It feels like he is finally accepting responsibility for his part, and he's literally doing it just as he's about. He's literally going to his death march, basically. Like that moment, like where he finally accepts it, literally as he is about to die. Exactly. Exactly. It feels yeah. powerful. It feels earned. It does. It feels very powerful. I think that's the thing with that Mass Effect does so well. It's all of these moments. The payoff is fantastic. You know, I mean, you really, you're emotionally invested in that and in him and, you know, but you can't save him. And you also don't want to save him because you know he's doing the right thing. Like playing with your emotions like that, that's awesome. That's like, that's top tier gaming. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Thanks for listening to My Favourite Game, a podcast by PlayDiaries.com where people from the games industry come on to talk of their favourite game. If you want to listen to future episodes of My Favourite Game, as well as press play before they go live publicly on PlayDiaries and other podcast platforms, please consider becoming a $2 tier podcast early access patron to our Patreon at patreon.com slash playdiaries. Next week, the second part of our season premiere, Ethel Freel on Mass Effect 3. Until next week, bye-bye.